But aren't there, I assume there are flowers that are always the same color, right? This is Colin. 50 million buckaroos. This is Chris. I couldn't talk to my phone to make my lights turn purple. La-di-da. Computer was a gateway. You know, we all want the internet to exist. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Exactly, yeah. That's, that's great. Yeah, so it's cool. Cool. This is Shiny Podcast. Following the light and throwing a little shade on the newest and brightest in space gaming and technology. slower as far as bulk of content. However, I feel like some of these things are pretty interesting. Uh, we've had some developments in the net neutrality arena in California. Uh, we have some some more nonsense from, from NVIDIA, uh, which is, I just, I feel like these guys right along with Intel just can't stop shooting themselves in the foot. And then Kind of an interesting uh, uh, article that I found that kind of talks a little bit about um, open source and how that's progressing and its role in the future of artificial intelligence. Just something that I hadn't really thought about before. Yeah, it's it's when a slow week comes up, it's like our job becomes to find the things that do move the ball a little bit, not to get what sports right. But things that, you know, what, what something that does, you know, sort of spin the earth a little bit more. And I think that these, this is, this is, a, these are those things for sure. These are definitely those things. So NVIDIA is famous for their, shall we say, less than cooperative attitude toward the industry at large. Also, <laughs> sometimes the consumer. They're also known for insanely performant graphics cards. And so they control a large majority of the graphics card market. However, that's not all uh, they seem to want to control. Yes. And so it has come to light uh, <laughs> uh, through um, uh, hard OCP. Uh, um, and if, if you haven't looked at their website, uh, it's, it's a pretty... <laughs> It reminds me of uh, what is that you ever uh, back in the early days of of the of the kind of popular Internet uh, with uh, Maddox.exe. Absolutely. Yeah. It reminds me a it lot of that website. Very much. <laughs> yes. But but these these guys are awesome. Um, they're pretty no nonsense and put out some some interesting stuff. And, and so they they created this post um, about how NVIDIA is looking to gag journalists with um, an, uh, an NDA that goes way beyond the normal um, disclosure agreements that uh, usually come with testing uh, hardware that hasn't been released to the to the broader market yet. You know, usually there's, you know, a, a specific amount of time and then, you know, it's it's um, it's, you know, you, you can you can start talking about it. What NVIDIA is trying to do is uh, uh, create an NDA that reaches out, I mean, years, <laughs> uh, effectively gagging people from being able to point out problems or that it isn't quite as good as NVIDIA is, you know, wants you to believe. And so it is completely handing the stream of information about their product in NVIDIA's hands. And that's just, well, that's just a, a pretty big conflict of, 
of interest and just super shady. Especially given, you know, what we said last week about the way that they right. presented the RTX series against right. the, exactly. the, the previous generation and handpicking, you know, a device that would give them that that quantum leap forward and performance that they wanted to demonstrate instead of comparing the right. top of the line to the top of the line. You're right. <laughs> Precisely. Perception control. Yes. So the first thing that come that came into my mind as I was, as I'm trying to like uh, uh trying to understand this is is this because or would do you think there might be a thread here are devices new devices are they complex enough that they remain in development for a very long time and thus like mm -hmm. is this is this mm -hmm. to sort of you know give journalists access to devices earlier in the process i'm trying to find something here i don't know right <laughs> um i think that that you, you could probably make a pretty uh, valid argument for that being you know may maybe a, a reason that they would be doing this well rather uh, sounds like uh, nvidia should send me a, a check good reason for that Right. alone right there don't you agree I mean, that's, that's what i think or a brand hey. new video card <laughs> i would i would i would uh, test some ray tracing i would sure <laughs> um i would personally um i think that nvidia's track record is such that I'm not really willing to give them the benefit of the doubt here. This seems pretty cut and dry to me that they they just want uh, control over over that that information stream. And I understand like wanting to do that to a certain extent um, for for a certain amount of time because yeah, you you don't want that information getting out before you've had a chance to kind of fix all these issues. But to say that you just you know can't we're, talk about we're it. <laughs> We just can't talk about it for, I mean, seriously, like, I think one of the figures was like, uh, uh, five years, like, that is unprecedented, um, I, I feel like, and signals to me that th this isn't about quality control. This is, this is just about n not letting the, um, just not, not, uh, being willing to accept critiques from consumers and people who would review this stuff just very anti-competitive anti-consumer just and i feel like you know i i don't know i feel like amd like especially in light of like amd making all these strides forward i mean it just seems like nvidia is grasping at straws here and are gonna are gonna fight kind of kicking and screaming as much as they can <laughs> to uh to, to hurt to hurt the consumer yeah they've uh, proven very willing to to be jerks about things you know in multiple different ways so i guess if they they you know do you think this is just reflective of them feeling the heat i, I mean, think that's i think that's part of it because this is pretty extreme i mean again and ndas usually do not like you know for for technology that's eventually going to be released to market that usually doesn't last five years Right. Like that's insane. That that's like that's almost the development life cycle of a brand new piece of hardware. And they're not they're not going to let journalists see that at the start of their development <laughs> you know, right. when they're putting everything together. So it's it, they're the, the only 
I mean, the only logical conclusion that you can draw from, at least for me, is is that they they want to control that information way beyond what is normal and what the industry standard is. And I can't see any reason that they would do that, except that they want to um, yeah, pre- prevent people from being able to review their products if they're bad. No, I think you're probably right. Doesn't, it, doesn't NVIDIA have like a 83% market share? Yes. Something to that effect. Yeah, it's big. <laughs> so it's like, you guys... Man, you are not <laughs> like you control the vast majority of of the market here. Why? Yes, AMD is making big strides, but this is I don't know. This is this is like crazy. <laughs> I really want Intel to get into the game. I don't have a ton of love for in I mean, I don't love any of these fucking companies. You know what I yeah. mean? Like they're just oh, yeah. they're just they serve me until they do not, and I Correct. vote with my wallet in the best way that I possibly can. But Correct. I would, I would love to see Intel actually follow through with their threat to release gaming GPUs, mm-hmm. because I think honestly that this this market needs competition. This True. Nvidia, I don't want them to go away. I want them to have to fucking fight for it. And I want them to use good old-fashioned engineering to do so. I want yeah. the product to be, to be you know, excellent of its own merits, and there to be some heat to prove that. And it's it just it just feels stale. I want I want you know Intel to do what Nvidia in the GPU world and AMD to continue doing what they're doing in the GPU world, as AMD is doing to Intel in the CPU world. Yes, you know, absolutely. That is turning into a more and more of a success story, especially at the uh, server market. It would appear mm-hmm. it looks like Epic is going to be well named. Anyway, right on. <laughs> well, right Nvidia. On. I think Linus Torvald said it best. Fuck you. <laughs> That's a quote. Look it up. So, my buddy, I like I like can't I, I I I just like my my brain doesn't want to talk about these people anymore. Like it's it's fighting me to talk about the FCC anymore. It's because what you are are, are what you are experiencing is is a natural symptom of watching the power structures display a willful level of cognitive dissonance and demand that the rest of us play along. And no, and we don't want to play along. That's no, there are, there are four lights. There are indeed four lights and, and nothing can change that. And that's why it hurts. That's why, it, that's why we're sick of talking about this because if, in if this was a a universe governed by rules of fairness this wouldn't be a thing right so the fcc uh um uh, a court has ruled that the fcc is allowed to define markets with only one internet service provider as quote unquote competitive so 
a uh, appeals court um, uh, upheld uh, a ruling um, that um, uh, yeah that that in markets where you only have one internet service provider, which is the case in a lot of places, especially rural communities, mm-hmm. um, that with a single ISP, that those markets are indeed competitive, which is uh, again. Then try trying to convince me that water is not wet and clouds are not up in the sky and gravity doesn't exist. The earth is flat. It, it they're trying to convince me of something that is not fucking true. <laughs> and unfortunately, this appeals court has upheld that decision. Well. Gambling on racing should get much easier now. If a single, <laughs> if a single entity can be competitive with itself, I, I'm, I know what I'm betting on. <laughs> this is insane. Yes, correct. That is the perfect word for this. This is absolutely insane. Insane. It's like the Federal Communications Commission has abdicated. Not just its responsibility, but all semblance of reality at this point. And it's just cheap. That's the thing is this, this isn't like, let's not pretend that it's some like, oh my God, are they losing their minds? No, they're bought and they're fucking paid for. That's what's going on. That's what is happening. And so they'll make up any old bullshit story to, to, to push forward an agenda that would allow their, their cronies to, Make as much money unfettered on your backs as possible. It's super frustrating. But the, but, you know, this, they can't push that indefinitely because we, there are other structures of governance in place. We call them the states here, but there's, you know, there's other mid-level structures in other parts of the world too. And what's fascinating is this shift in now that the federal government is choosing not to uh, hold its responsibility in this arena, states are that do care are stepping up. And a very huge recent development is the net neutrality bill in California. Yes. Mm-hmm. This was a evolving this evolved over the last couple months and for a little bit there it looked like it was going to be bad yeah because at&t we, we we talked about it a few a couple episodes ago where at&t uh effectively lobbied to kill this <laughs> and um, and did a good job of it until you know what there had been a version of the bill that had been largely gutted of teeth and enforcement of net neutrality however the bill that just passed both houses of California's legislature is one that it can be considered the strongest net neutrality bill yet passed by any state in the United States of America. Which is excellent because remind uh, the class how much larger California's economy is than the rest of the world <laughs> alone. It, it's, it's pretty, pretty big. big. It gets larger than Italy. 
it. <laughs> so that really has some weight, especially in the United States of America, being that, you know, such a large market has now drawn a line and said, you, you, you must, you must honor a neutral connection to the internet. It's going to be very difficult for ISPs now to deal with this patchwork of regulation that's developing. Precisely. It's amazing. I mean, it's a beacon of hope because uh, AT&T and Comcast threw a lot of money <laughs> at this problem. And I think even, well, I, I'm not, I don't know that AT&T and Comcast were responsible for it, but um, there was a barrage of robocalls uh, going out to um, uh, to o- older older people. I think that was that 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 was happening for this. I was right. That is pretty- <laughs> yeah. Uh, a telecom backed group basically uh, uh, set up a bunch of ro- like robocalls to call seniors and tell them that like this is going to increase your bill and all these scare tactics basically. Which is just disgusting. Perfect. That's great. (laughs) Absolutely disgusting. So all the better that this has passed. That it's just absolutely deplorable behavior. And if nothing else, now I know where to route my VPN through. (laughs) Governor Jerry Brown is expected to sign this within the next couple weeks. So stay tuned for confirmation. So I I added um, added this article because I, I it kind of raised an interesting question that um, I hadn't really thought about before, and that was about what the future of ethical artificial intelligence and open source, you know, <clears throat> artificial intelligence development. I mean, that's you know that's that's not um, in, in in itself um, big big news. It's obviously being worked on. Um, continuously and it's but probably it, it probably worth clarifying re- too that like we think of this thing when we say artificial intelligence we think of lieutenant commander data or c3po right yeah. uh and and while that's not outside the realm of possibility of course on a timeline artificial intelligence as it exists today really centers more about programs that are able to analyze situations in which they are running and adjust themselves accordingly or uh, right uh, otherwise might kind of know is uh, yeah, machine exactly. learning exactly the other way too it is still beyond the uh it is still beyond the realm of of engineering to emulate the computational power of even a cockroach so the brain of a cockroach so let's just just to yeah 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 yeah. i think (laughs) it's important when we're talking about this this stuff is that we we all know the trajectory in a sort of like folk sense right like we all know like when we say artificial intelligence the ramifications thereof because we've seen it so many times played out in popular culture Uh, just so we know where we are on the scale right now (laughs) <laughs> and and what what came to light uh recently uh, it actually came came out uh this past march was uh, it was revealed that uh so google had had won a share of um a contract for pentagon for the uh, pentagon's project maven it, which uses artificial intelligence um in order to improve uh targeting system for drone strikes and 
so a lot of people at the company uh, protested. Um, you know, this this was pretty upsetting, and um, and I think um, uh, Google. I'm trying to I'm trying to see if they had backed out of. I any think of they this. said. I don't think they did. They they they're choosing to let their contracts with Pentagon expire. Expired. That's right. Yeah, that. Thank you. Yeah, that they're not going to renew those contracts in 2019. So, um, so th- that aside, um, you know that that's you know just just kind of setting up the um, setting up the situation here. So one of the one of the things that that came out as part of this was that in order to to work on this for the Pentagon, Google was using um, an open uh, open source software called TensorFlow. Right. Um, and, and so it, it kind of, the, the question got put out there. So w- what role should open source software be playing in things like this, like, uh, military, uh, technology that is potentially hurting people? Um, and what should the open source community be doing in order, or, well, how, how should the open source community respond to, right. to this? And so, you know, you, you, you have, um, well, let me, let me read this. Let me, I think, I think I have an, an idea of, of where you're trying to land. If I, if I may, first, I think we should read this clip, this little bit from Google's own explanation of what TensorFlow is. Okay. Because that is interesting. Uh, TensorFlow is an open source software library, which means you can incorporate it into your own projects. A library is a you know collection of tools, if you if you if you will. It's for high performance numerical computation, and its flexible architecture allows easy deployment of computation across a variety of platforms, hardware platforms, so CPUs, GPUs, and TPUs which are tensor processing units. Hey, that's a thing. And from desktops to <laughs> clusters of servers to mobile to edge devices, this is a a very flexible, reactive, computational technology that can sort of put it into a bucket. And it was originally developed by researchers and engineers from the Google Brain team which we should all remember exists and is are two words that are terrifying in the same sentence. Yes. <laughs> it comes with strong support for machine learning and deep learning and flexible numerical computational core is used across many other scientific domains. So it's a it's a super flexible set of tools that lets you implement what we would consider machine learning programs, things that are able to react to their own environment or their own deployment, their own situation, however, however that is. And it's kind of a, mm-hmm. a tough thing to grok, but if you can think of it like that, you can see this line that's drawn between strapping that kind of thing to a device that's designed to explode near people, right? Like <laughs> right. the 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 uh, efficiency r- raise gain is is uh, almost immediate <laughs> without getting into the realm of science fiction. 
for sure. sure. Another interesting data point that I think helps frame this conversation is, well, what is the goal of open source ultimately? And I think that, I think that we, it is not, you're not able to define open source in, as a, as a singular monolithic concept as to, in, in terms of why it exists and why it should exist and why the model is better. However, I think there are a couple of columns sort of holding up that pantheon, if you will. And I think that those play out in the form of licensing. So I don't want to get too dry because I know that most people, most normal human beings eyes glaze over when you start getting into software licensing conversations. <laughs> what? No, 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 no. But I think, again, it's important to, to, to frame this because it's kind of a, a hard thing to grok, okay? So in broad strokes, there are different kinds of open source software licenses. Some of them, like the MIT license or the BSD license, are what you sort of think of as the most free, in the sense that if you license your open source software under either of those two licenses, people can take that code and do anything that they want with it. And that includes using it in a product that they put together and they sell. And, and they can take that code and keep it for themselves and never share the, the secret sauce of the thing that they're selling. Okay. That's just, you know, how it works. Depending on your definition of freedom, uh, in this paradigm, that's, that's uh, a, a free scenario, right? Uh, it like famous example of this happening. There is a, uh, a, a an operating system, a set of operating systems known as the BSDs, right? They've been around forever. They're a direct. Mm -hmm. They have, they sh they have a direct lineage to the original Unix OS, and people use them for all sorts of things. Netflix uses BSD for a lot of its content delivery, actually. By the way, <laughs> and <Fair enough. laughs> another company known as Apple, little company you might have heard of, st startup from California. They use BSD. What they do is they take BSD and they add a bunch of their own proprietary bits on top of it and they call it Mac OS. And that's perfectly fine for them never to release the code to Mac OS because that's what they're within their rights. And it is absolutely a perpetual derivative of the free and open source BSD. So this plays out all the time. People, you know, this, this, this in some cases allows for quite a lot of growth, right? Right. But there's other kinds of licenses too. Like the one that governs the Linux kernel that says that if you use, you're free to use this code, use this thing in any way that you want. However, if you do, you have to release the changes that you've made to the code back under the same protective license that it was given to you with. Gotcha. So I bring that up because I think that the, the, what this article sort of says is that there are tools in the open source community that have led to 
fairly effective and profitable systems, i.e. the Linux kernel and other pieces of software, right. that has allowed right. for millions, if not billions of people to benefit from a shared open source technology while maintaining protections for the core uh, of that technology. And now we have a situation where we have to grapple with a new form of tech that is ultimately capable of being so ruthlessly efficient if weaponized that it will likely grow beyond our ability to control it at some point. And so what do we do with it? Sure, yeah. The question becomes... Is the um, the the software that's being developed to control those you know that that are artificial intelligence should it be open to the broader open source community for yeah. scrutiny? Is and, it is it ethical for this to and, be you know developed in Department of Defense labs and then held secret and and utilized? I mean that I'd say that that's the realistic. <laughs> um, outcome yes. but is it is it ethical and you know it's hard i think i don't know i don't want to draw a conclusion yeah, because i'm sensitive no to, no yeah i mean i'm sensitive to the concept that people should have control for the things that they create <laughs> however is there a line is there a line where, as a society, we sort of have to say we are playing with a fire that we are not fully capable of containing? Absolutely, and I yeah, it's I I I, uh, I don't think that we'll have no. an answer no, here. God, no. <laughs> um, but I I just wanted to to kind of pose the topic and, and the question, you know, and especially, you know, we, we, we talk about, um, um, you know, kind of, uh, well, we, we've talked about China a fair bit, but just so, so China is, is, um, is hoping to become the AI superpower. <laughs> they are, uh, they are throwing quite a bit of, of money to in, into, uh, R and D for, for artificial intelligence. Um, and with their track record of human rights issues, um, that's an even, I mean, uh, you know, a much larger in, in my mind um, issue. You know, what what happens when, when you have a country that like that, that is not open to open source uh, and, and opening up that technology to scrutiny you know, what, where does that leave us? Remember the social credit system that they are rolling out for their citizens. The yes. Upvote and downvote capabilities that will have a tangible impact on your quality of life. It's just so the, the dream is crazy. always that, you know, if, if the code is open, it means that there's more eyeballs and brains hacking on it. Hopefully both eliminating security vulnerabilities and bugs while while 
increasing the rate at which you know growth and, and betterment can happen. Mm -hmm. And honestly, it has worked and it has not worked. It's sort of a, a neutral thing. I think I think that you'd be I think that you'd have to. Um, I think that generally speaking, especially in the realm of uh, especially in the realm of technology engineering, open source has pretty much taken over everything. I think that it, sure. for those in the know, I think it remains a a a goal, if one that is often uh, touched by pragma pragmatism along the way. For a lot of individuals, mm -hmm. you know, for, for personal lives, for professional lives, for, for the things that we, we rely on. I think that very much in the industry, uh, the trend is, is massively moving that way. Definitely. No, agreed. I don't know. I don't know how this shit even remotely begins to work. I really don't. <laughs> and I think that's true for a lot of people. <laughs> and I think that we do have the beginnings of something that's very fascinating and very powerful happening in artificial intelligence and machine learning. I think that we really need to consider what protections we put in place in the in the foundations of this of this thing that we're architecting. And I think that open source has some answers in its tooling. But that's just mm -hmm. like my opinion, man. <laughs> no, that's my opinion as well. Agreed. And I think that rounds out our coverage of the movers and shakers into technology this week. I do sure have does. some happy to talk about. Awesome. Let's hear it. So it's a happy. It's also kind of a plug. But so we like to talk about technology. We like to geek out with our with our gadgets, right? I sure do. I know Colin does. Yeah. I also like to make things happen as well. It's not just technological masturbation, although that's important. That's very important. I like to make things happen. And so we're, we're kind of making a thing happen that's pretty cool. It's funny how many parallels there are between learning to make a podcast and learning to produce a podcast and learning to game, uh, you know, stream games on Twitch <laughs> and, and sure. building out a recording studio and live streaming uh, studio in a music store, which is what we've done, actually. Yeah. Wow. So for those that don't know, I work with a little company in Hanover, New Hampshire called Hanover Strings. I've been there forever. It's not it's not my only job, but it's it's uh, it's one of them. And it's a very fun one. And we're kind of rolling out this concert series so if you're finding yourself burned out by the fcc's gaslighting or frustrated because no man's sky doesn't 
quite worked with Steam Play yet. On Andy. <laughs> Relax. Take a load off. Don't think about tech for a while and enjoy the fruits of our systems by watching Upstream Live, a free concert that's going to happen once a month from now until the end of the year. All you have to do is go to upstreamlive.tv starting on September 21st. It's a Friday, about 7.30 p.m. You can watch a wonderful performer, Elias Krell. Beautiful acoustic, awesome show is going to be a run-on sentence. (laughs) 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 It's going to be excellent. And I I think that you'll enjoy not just not just you know the 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 excellent performance but see how it all kind of comes together and 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 get lost in the whole thing and we're doing it with tools and 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 technology that anybody can we have nice microphones but <laughs> but it's really cool so i invite you to join us on september 21st 7:30 p.m. For an online concert, perhaps you're familiar with Tiny Desk. Think of that. It's similar to that. Cool. Cool, cool. So that will be the start, and afterward we'll announce all of the subsequent shows. It's going to be once a month. Low-key, you can put us on in the background and hang out. You can stream it to your device of choice, big or small. Put it on your TV, put it on your phone going to be a good time so i invite you to join us that's awesome i'm really excited about it i know everyone at strings is really excited about it it's uh it's been a long time coming we you know built this out over months and months and months of of figuring out exactly how to do it so i think uh you know (laughs) maybe a kink or two here and there it's going to be a good time i'm going to say um so my happy is is uh no man's sky related um but it is a mod that i found um called no man's sky save editor which it allows you to do a bunch of kind of game breaking stuff which is which is you know not not super fun for for me um but one of the things that it does allow you to do if if you've played no man's sky you or rather if you haven't uh, you you have an exosuit, you have a ship, and you have like a multi-tool, which is kind of your um, weapon slash allows you to mine for materials and stuff. And they all have these slots. And in those slots goes the stuff that you gather, your technology that you install. And for s- a lot of things, when you, well, for all the technology, when you install it in, in place, uh, it's stuck there. You can't move it around. And especially if you find a sweet new ship, all of that stuff is kind of, you know, a, a bunch of stuff is there uh, when you get it and you can't move it around. And it isn't always ideally placed, ideally placed, especially because you can stack certain upgrades uh, and it has a greater effect when they're stacked in a certain way. So what this mod has allowed me to do is change all that around and make things much more efficient, much cleaner and much nicer. And it has made things much, much more fun. 
And so I am very thankful for finding it. And it was super easy to install. And I think that is that's a good happy. That's a good happy. It's also an oversight on Hello Games part. They should probably fix that. Yes. And give me the ability to (laughs) see the galactic map in first person mode when I am on foot. That would be much appreciated. Yes, that would be awesome. (laughs) And while we're at it, if somebody could make me on Steam play, I would be so happy. Because truly, I could put a bullet in my Windows hard drive at that point. That would be it for me. No joke. <laughs> Truly, that That'd would be it. it. I would be. I would be. I would be done. So, anytime now, guys. Wish I could help. <laughs> anytime. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, I think that is the show. Do appreciate you listening, and if you would like to get a hold of us, uh, you can get at us at our Twitter. Mine is at KaliAli11, and I am at Luxola. We also have a joint account at Cast the Shine. Check us out on Facebook. We've got our website as well, shinypodcast.com, uh, where you can download uh, episodes along with all of your favorite pod catching apps. And we would love to hear from you. Uh, hello at shinypodcast.com if you would like to write into us. Thanks for listening, friends. Goodbye. And goodbye. And goodbye. Bye, 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 bye. <laughs>